it's it's funny that you know you 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 made me think about the journey over the over the over the past ten years and, and so much so much has happened in in the region. Um, yeah, the, the amazing news that you know Grab is doing the the biggest spec merger to date, uh, almost 40, 40 billion. Um, you know, we're seeing companies like Bookler Park raising uh, you know raising two hundred thirty four million dollars. Um, yeah, it's just getting it's getting more more and more exciting. Um, I, I do feel that. Uh, the next phase for uh, you know for the region is now that we are maturing really fast is seeing the next wave of founders and uh, and companies uh, you know get get to that billion dollar stage and and creating uh, lots of lots of jobs lots, lots of impact and and some amazing exits as well. Yeah, I, I think it's definitely uh, top of mind right now just to see um, you know what's been happening. Rajiv, thanks for joining us, man. Do you want to share a little bit about yourself? And uh, I know we've riffed for a while on on Southeast Asia a couple of weeks back, but I really want to hear, you know, your thoughts on what's going on right now. I mean, it's uh, it's like the the whole world is uh, turning to Southeast Asia right now. I think so. I think so. I, I, I said this a couple of days ago, but I think we're at the beginning of our golden period. Uh, and and you know what's um, what's evidenced by that. I think um, is the shift in tone um, and, and, and and some of the reference points. So I was sitting in a conversation with uh, with someone who's like, "Oh, have you heard about so and so startup? Um, you, you know, they're, they're they're founded by X Grab or X Lazada or X Bacala Park individuals." And uh, and ten years ago, uh, that wouldn't have been the case. It would have been, oh, have you heard of so and so startup? It's founded by X McKinsey or X Google or X Facebook. And so, you're starting to see these mammoth um, players build um, scale to a point where and create wealth to a point internally within the organization that uh, employees can sort of quit and and build their own startups and build their own success. And so. Lazada is a prime example. There's, I want to say, eight to ten really decent-sized startups in the region that have sort of formed on the back of folks who used to work at Lazada. Um, and I'm sure the same will happen with Grab, Travel, Bacala Park, and a bunch of others. And so I, I sort of view that as a really good leading indicator and health indicator of the ecosystem when the ecosystem is now producing its own as opposed to importing. Mm. Um, and so it's, uh, it's quite, a, quite an exciting time. So, so that's an interesting uh, thought then. I wonder, Michael, if you wanted to comment on that before we go on to Gil. Um, but what you're saying is essentially the move of a lot of the former founders of some of the larger brands early in the uh, the decade or so of, of like Rocket Internet so and so forth going on to do uh, bigger and better things. Michael? Yeah, I, it's, it's funny. So there's... Um so there's always a first wave, and and Rajiv is right. The first wave tends to be, you know, uh, former Google, Facebook employees uh, going on their own. Um, I, I actually think that the, the almost the, the early Lazada employees uh, is kind of the second wave because we, we've seen them since like 2015, 2016. Um, what we're now seeing, and, and this this is super interesting, um, if you look at some of the early uh, folks from uh, from Gojek, uh, but also some of the early folks at VCs. Uh, some of the early folks at Grab. Then now, I think this is like the third wave. We're seeing now the third wave of um, of entrepreneurs. Um, what is funny about this wave, though, is is that um, they are extremely savvy in building their business. Um, they're very, very good at, at fundraising, and they, they funny enough have the network within the VC space as well. 
because they've seen the VCs kind of running around those companies that they've worked for in the, in the past few years. So the dynamic in terms of how they are building the companies, the dynamic in terms of how they are fundraising is vastly different uh, than the first sort of the first wave and the second wave of, of entrepreneurs that came to market. So yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about um, seeing, seeing all these, uh, these guys and girls uh, build, build their businesses. Great. Thanks. And over to you, Gil. Thanks so much for joining us all the way from Singapore. I know it's bright and early, but really wanted to get your insight as well. I know you, you, you're you churning through uh, deals and looking at them and, and seeing a lot of uh, amazing female founders as well. Really want to hear your thoughts, Gil, on, on what's happening here. Yeah, thanks, Sarah and Michael. Um, great, great insights this morning. And, you know, as a Singaporean, I'm so excited to finally see the light shining on this region. I think people have been at work hard for years, even decades here, um, and and it's good to kind of be able to see see the shine being discovered. Um, you know, there's great opportunity. There has always been in in leapfrogging in this region, right? Taking all the lessons from the West, from the developed uh, Asian markets, and applying it here. And and just like in tech, we're leapfrogging um, traditional infrastructure to mobile and mobile driven platforms. I think with the gender diversity opportunity, um, there's an op- we can do things differently and, and shortcut all the learnings and, and meanderings that uh, have have taken place in the West. And so I see that at, at both at many levels at the entrepreneurship level. Um, I think despite the fragmentation and, and sort of different economic uh, levels of the across the countries in the region, Education has been a very powerful leveler, and that that creates a strong pipeline for uh, female founders here. Um, there is also an opportunity at the investor level with women coming into wealth, and um, ultimately, you know, changing the capital allocator landscape in terms of gender diversity too. And so, we're we're really excited to 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 be able to do that work in the context of Southeast Asia. And we're seeing, you know, strong female founders in in a number of countries. Uh, Indonesia and Philippines are are, you know, perhaps less tech and less sort of sexy typical VC type countries uh, landscapes. But um, nonetheless, great talent that is overlooked needs to be backed, and um, we're here to do that. Thanks, Gil. And, and you pick up on uh, two important points here that I want to get Michael's view and maybe Rajiv and, and the folks on the stage as well. Number one is in terms of the capital allocator landscape. Michael, you talked a bit about how uh, there's a lot more interest from investors in, in Europe, in the US, into Asia. Um, and, you know, for, for some... Uh, Southeast Asia being fragmented, being um, very different, as you said, you know, from Vietnam to Indonesia was uh, deemed a, a little bit of a risk for, for some. Is that changing? How, how are your conversations with the LP investors evolving? Um, and Rajiv, maybe your thoughts as well from a you know, more corporate view as well. Um, yeah, so there's, there's, definitely been a, there's definitely been a shift in, uh, in LP mindset uh, when it comes to investing in the region. Um, I mean, if, if you look at where the ecosystem is, you know, we're, we're, we're not at China or, or in India yet uh, in terms of um, how much capital is, is allocated to, uh, to venture. Uh, but it's, it's, been a, it's been a huge increase. Um, if you look at the number of um, family offices that are being set up 
uh, foreign family offices coming to the region that are being set up. Um, that's a huge increase from a few years ago. Um, if, if you look at the uh, uh, the number of LPs coming to coming to market uh, that are institutional LPs from the US, uh, from the Middle East, uh, from you know from China, uh, North Asia, there's definitely been a huge increase over the over the past few years. I think we had a we had a, a record year in VC, a record quarter in VC funding, uh, first quarter of 2021. Um, and, and with that, we'll see more diversification in terms of, um, you know, the, the funds that are getting backed and then the funds in respect, uh, the back, backing the founders. So yeah, it's been, um, it's been in the up and up again. It's, uh, the, the next step is, uh, is the importance of, uh, of, you know, keep on funding with companies and, and, and keep the founders keep on building with companies as well. Yeah, so I'll, I'll just um, I'll just add to that, right? Um, so with Cafe, so we're a four billion dollar uh, investment firm, um, and uh, so two thirds of that's private equity, a third of that is in venture, and we're backed by Europe's largest family offices and um, uh, corporations, so like L'Oreal, LVMH, um, Total, uh, the Sofina Group, etc. And what everybody is sort of saying to us is a um, all of a sudden, uh, in the last couple of weeks, the with Grab and a couple of other things, the Southeast Asian office has, has gotten a lot of attention. But as we start, start to think about our next set of fundraising activities, which will start later this year, a lot of the chatter is around reallocating our resources. So we're typically mostly allocated in Europe, the U.S., and uh, a little bit of China. Um and, and then we sort of Southeast Asia for this original fund sort of fell into rest of world. Um, and, and, and now there's a lot of chatter about Southeast Asia being its own, um, its own category and its own set of allocation with our LP base thinking about how they enter this market in a more pronounced fashion. Um, and then how they invest in this market. Right. And so I, I sort of concur and agree with Michael that there's a lot a lot more excitement within the LP base, and and uh, a lot of this news is is positive. I am I am worried that I uh, in in terms of Grab and and a bunch of the other specs, this is also really untested. And so I hope that you know once they launch and once the demerger happens, that there's a performance that sustains there, because uh, that will very much determine at a macro level. Um, you know what type of momentum we carry into the end of the year, and then and then into twenty twenty two. Yeah, and that's another interesting uh, thought thread that I want to pull a little bit and maybe get Carlo also to comment on it. But are you all worried about the fact that these huge super apps uh, are taking up a lot of capital? Um, and you know, it's it's almost like uh, we're not really hearing about the other startups that are <laughs> a little bit in the woods there. You know, with with a lot. Um, being pushed by the backers of uh, these big super apps to to get it to where it has to be. Carlo, any thoughts there? You know what's interesting in in the Philippines, uh, the, the bigger apps aren't actually homegrown. Most of them are um, either from Malaysia, uh, Indonesia, and Singapore. And I think when when we were looking at comparables of countries going through. You know the the wave of building their ecosystem. We're definitely still at our. Um, we're definitely breaking through the nascent stage, um, and that's something that we're clearly just uh, focusing, seeing what that would mean for the ecosystem. Uh, however, the, one of the factors that we're still uh, trying to complete the puzzle is where you know um, uh, 
funders or um, investors uh, around the region put confidence in the Philippines and also the government. I think once the government really uh, walks the talk with, you know, um, implementing the startup bill here, then we will see more uh, startups getting their recognition. Um, And I think uh, the super random but also significant fact was um, for the past three years, there were only 500 startups mapped uh, in the Philippines. And I, during this pandemic, 2021, uh, just for the first quarter, we've seen uh, 100 startups just uh, just because we're seeing a lot of, you know, um, this big transition towards uh, the digital economy. So, yeah, we're, it's, it's, it's an interesting space at the moment, but um, we're, we're definitely reaping the rewards of all our uh, ASEAN neighbors uh, uh, doing a lot of the work for the past few, uh, even a decade already. So, Yeah, lo- love that view. Interesting. And um, I see some amazing VCs that have joined us on stage as well. And, uh, you know, we really want to open up to the rest of the room to use this time to ask Michael any questions and also, um, you know, pitch yourself a little bit, speak a little bit about your work, Kalsum and Marina. Over to you, Kalsum. Hi, um, I joined late, so thank you, Sarah, for pinging me into the room, but it's super fascinating. And um, just as a quick introduction, I am a venture capital fund that operates in Pakistan, so adjacent to Southeast Asia. And I think what's really interesting is that we look so much to Southeast Asia um, in Pakistan because our ecosystem, I've been an operator in the startup ecosystem for about 10 years. Our VC fund is only... It, started in 2019, but um, have been operating an accelerator program and have been working with startups in the region for a really long time. And so for me, um, Southeast Asia has been super fascinating to look at. And even right now, the last three deals that I've looked at have, or that I've invested in actually that we're announcing have all had sister versions in Indonesia um, specifically, um, but also in the Philippines. As an example, we were just invested in an early wage access company that's obviously similar to Advance in the Philippines. And so I guess my question to all of you guys is like, you know, you guys are kind of from my from my angle of where I am um, in terms of valuations, in terms of where our ecosystem is. Pakistan is maybe about five years behind. We're kind of one of you know, a last untapped frontier market. It's a place where a lot of Southeast Asian funds are also looking at opportunistically because of the mimicry and the pattern matching that's happening there. Um, What advice would you give for VCs that are operating in our market that's a little bit more early um, than where you guys have? Um, I guess for, you know, the fact that you guys have been operating in a more mature ecosystem relatively. Michael, you want to take that? Yeah, I'm guessing you'll, you'll, we'll see we, we have some very, very similar patterns. Um, I think what I, I've, I've had the good fortune, um, and, and this, this might, might be helpful, I've had the good fortune to um, of talking to a lot of other VCs in other emerging markets, um, and whether it's Latin, whether, whether it's Africa. Um, and, and the reason why this is helpful, we, we did a few things. Um, so the one thing we did was um, we, we, we shared our uh, lessons learned from LP conversations. Um, that was that, that was a very important one to us. The reason why it's important is, um, you know, it helps you it helps you kind of shape your story towards LPs uh, because if if we share what we did over the past ten years, that might be helpful kind of in in, in your your conversations with, with LPs as well. Um, the second thing we did was we literally shared um, LP context and we said, hey, I know that this 
this family office in, in Germany is interested in uh, in the emerging markets, you know, they might not write a big check, but you know, they could be interesting for you to have a decent conversation and they might do a first deal or they, they might look at a look at a company. Uh, and I, I would, uh, I'm assuming that, that you kind of know most of the players in Southeast Asia, but um, you know, if if uh, if you haven't spoken with them, I would say uh, talk to as much of them as possible. Um, I definitely think they could be you know very good co-investors for for your portfolio. I know that, that we've looked at Pakistan as well, um, you know, kind of at, at, at an earlier stage and look at a few deals. Um, so finding those co-investors, um, it will be extremely helpful as well. For the one reason is the moment you have a co-investor from, uh, you know, from the Southeast Asian region, um, that portfolio company goes in, goes in the fund reporting, which basically means that, you know, Pakistan will, will get exposure to a lot more eyeballs, whether it's, you know, LPs, other co-investors, family offices, uh, through their reporting. So that could be, that could be a helpful one as well. Awesome. Thank you. Great. Marina, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Sarah, for uh, uh, bringing me in the room. I think this is a, a great conversation. I, I've learned a lot. Uh, my name is Marina. I'm a venture partner with High Ventures, and we're a cross-border bound between North America and Southeast Asia. We tend to focus uh, mostly on, on Japan and South Korea. Uh, and myself, I'm from Seoul National University in South Korea, so I, I lived in, in that region for uh, uh, quite some time. Um, and um, our fund really wants to be... Um, the, uh, the bridge between uh, between North America and Southeast Asia. And we currently have two funds. It's the second one is still fundraising. We're in the process of uh, moving toward um, um, the last bit of the uh, the closing. Um, but uh, we invest in, uh, in AI, mostly in North America, though we've made some investment in Europe and in Asia. And through our fundraising process, our LPs are mostly corporations from uh, Japan and Korea as well, uh, as well as a mix of financial institutions. We usually notice that there were a lot of interest from these corporations into the North American market for startups. Um, But as we progress toward the fundraising, uh, we also discovered that uh, there are a lot of um, uh, interest from uh, North American startups into uh, the South Asian uh, startup market. And I think that, you know, there, there were recently a lot of uh, uh, well-known track records. Uh, for example, Noom in, in South Korea, it's a well-known unicorn over there. Uh, there are also uh, other unicorns that, that tend to uh, make their way all the way to North America. And that sparked a lot of uh, interest from uh, LPs here. And so we kind of thought that, you know, uh, our fund three, uh, that we'll uh, start fundraising probably not uh, until the next uh, two to three years, but it will take probably a different approach. Um, instead of, uh, you know, fundraising in Asia, we might uh, do a bit deeper of a fundraising in North America with a mix of financial institutions and corporations uh, to then invest into um, the majority of our portfolio in Southeast Asia. And really, this conversation were very interesting to us because I, I kind of knew through my career that, you know, large pension plans and, and, and P investors have a very big interest in Korea and Japan specifically, uh, China as well, but it's less within my expertise. Um, and, you know, we kind of thought that this is actually right now, there is a rising moment about these two regions. Mm. And since it seems that our base of LP is very different with Golden Gate Ventures, you mentioned that you have a mix of family offices as well. 
So I wanted to know um, if you also see that that trends. If if you feel that there is a growing interest from um, LPs or you know within your network in in North America or other regions that could be looking into um, the Asian markets following the, uh, the the recent track records. Great, Th- thanks, Marina, for that question. Michael, take it home. Um, sure. Yeah. To to, uh, to Marina's point, whether um, uh, sort of that LP interest that has, uh, you know, whether it shifted or that there's more interest from uh, from from North America. Um, so I would say that the, the the good thing with um, uh, with with North North American um, LPs is that they've they've been investing in um, uh, in China for a longer time. Actually, in India and China for a longer time, but specifically China, um, and. What it does is they would automatically at least have a view on Southeast Asia as well. So some of the some of the Chinese managers have you know access to uh, you know deal flow in Southeast Asia. So it gives at least um, those LPs exposure to the to the deal flow in the region. Um, but for the um, uh, for the North US LPs to actually find uh, managers in, in Southeast Asia, that has taken a bit of time. Um, and I think the, um, the most important question for them was the moment I put a dollar into, into any Asian market, and whether it's India, China, or Southeast Asia, um, what does my return profile look like? Um, and of course, you know, it's, it's, it's very hard to, uh, to compete against a market like China. So what happened was the preference was, you know, we'll go to China first and then we'll look at Southeast Asia. The conversation we're seeing change now is that because there is just more and more stronger companies coming out of the Southeast Asian region um, that it's, it's hard to ignore for LPs. And they're now specifically saying, okay, let's allocate at least a part of our budget to uh, to this global market. So instead of kind of going through the China route, they would, they would invest, invest directly. Um, the other thing I want to add is um, you, 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 mentioned, you mentioned North Asia um, as in Korea and Japan. Um, it's, it's funny that, but I think they have been one of the earliest investors as LPs in Southeast Asia, and, and not everyone knows this, but uh, Japanese and Korean corporates have been very aggressive in um, investing across um, across the Southeast Asian region um, uh, when it comes to uh, uh, GPs and, and managers. Um, so I, I'd say early days since 2013, 2014, uh, they've, they've been investing across funds and, and making direct investments. So they've They've all always been a very important component of uh, sort of this growth system as well. Thank you, Michael. And thanks so much for tuning in this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and follow our socials at Sarah Chen Global to get the latest news on the show. I'm Sarah Chen, and you've been listening to Billion Dollar Moves. <laughs>